The Republicans are absolute idiots. There's really no better, more diplomatic way to say this. The Republicans who represent us in Congress are absolute dodos. So the Democrats passed their budget plan, their $3.5 trillion budget plan. It was along party lines. I'll give credit where it's due. No Republican actually actively voted for it. But Republicans were tricked into this situation. They were tricked. And I warned them on this show a month ago of what the Democrats were doing, how they were walking into a trick, and they walked into it anyway. This is what happened. So the Democrats wanted this infrastructure bill to pass. And I should put infrastructure in quotes because they defined everything as infrastructure, not just roads and bridges and the like. They defined all of their pet initiatives as infrastructure. So what they did after they were criticized, the Democrats were criticized for this monstrosity of an infrastructure bill. They compromised by paring it down to just $1 trillion. But at the same time, the Democrats refused to promise that they wouldn't just transfer all of their original pet projects from their original infrastructure bill into their budget bill. Because the thing is, the Democrats still have the ability to use the budget reconciliation trick in the Senate this year, which means that this budget bill only has to have 51 votes. The Democrats essentially are neutered. They don't have a filibuster here. It only has to have 51 votes, which means all the Democrats plus the vice president of the United States can vote for it. And tra there it is. All of their pet projects are now law or will now be law. Republicans knew this, and yet they still agreed to this so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill. And the bipartisan infrastructure bill still contained Democrat pet projects. There's critical race theory garbage in there. There's actually critical gender theory in there. There's a line in the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill that talks about actively encouraging women to enter trucking because gender neutral policies simply don't incentivize women to be truck drivers enough. So now we have to specifically target women. All kinds of foolish nonsense is included in this infrastructure bill Regardless, but then we have this bigger one, this budget reconciliation bill, and Republicans are falling for it. And my my question is, where were Republicans? I mean, yes, good job, I suppose, not actually casting your vote for this. But why weren't you on television? Why weren't you talking to your constituents? Why weren't you telling the American people what kind of nonsense is in both of these bills so that the Democrats actually have to defend it? This is something Republicans are so bad at. They never make Democrats actually own their own provisions. They only meet Democrats at at the playing field that the Democrats define, right? So for example, this, this claim that the infrastructure, the bipartisan part of this was fully paid for, Republicans ought to have been going on every television show and saying, wait a second, this isn't fully paid for. This is the trick you used to make that claim. Now defend it so that Democrats would then have to follow them onto those TV shows and defend it. But they didn't. They didn't do this. Maybe the only person speaking out against this, the nutty stuff in the infrastructure bill was Senator Ted Cruz, who, to his credit, was criticizing the crypto, the cryptocurrency provisions um, that were in this bill. But the bipartisan part of this bill gave cabinet secretaries, again, part of the administrative state, authority to fully fund infrastructure projects without sharing funding. It has a provision to put drunk or impaired driving detection equipment in a car. Again, critical gender theory, critical race theory, all of this stuff is in this bill. And yet Democrats don't have to defend it because Republicans are acting like squishes. They're not fiscally conservative anymore. They don't even pretend to be. And I'll tell you the reason why. We don't have fiscal conservatives anymore because no Republican wants to go back to his or her constituents and say, hey, 
you are benefiting from quote unquote free stuff from the government. I think it's irresponsible. Therefore, I want to take it away from you. None of them actually have the courage to do that. They don't have the courage to make the case for limited government, for the morality of fiscal conservative conservatism, or they don't have the courage to make the case that not being fiscal fiscally conservative is a national security risk. And so this is what we get. A bunch of Republicans in the Senate who didn't fight back. They just rolled over. They were squishes. They were idiots. And wait until you hear what's in this budget reconciliation plan. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. We'll get to the budget monstrosity in just a second, but let's talk about being a responsible adult <laughs> as opposed to how Republicans in Congress are acting. Let's talk about trust and will for a second. So we all know that we need one, but most of us put it off creating a trust or will because it's either complex, it's too expensive, or perhaps we don't want to face our own mortality. I don't know what your deal is, but I have put it off because it's complex and expensive. It doesn't have to be, though. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, it's convenient, and it's secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, you can determine who gets your stuff in the event of your death, and you can plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home. Now, a lot of us, I think, don't want to hire a traditional estate attorney because it's expensive and we don't want to be treated the same as everybody else. But trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts and they're customized for the state you live in. And they provide live customer support seven days a week. So they'll answer any questions that you have. Trust and will is the most trusted name in online estate planning. They've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families, their assets, and their legacies. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz. The slash Liz is important because if you use my promo code, you can get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. So don't wait. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Liz. Trustandwill.com slash Liz. You deserve it, and so does your family. So this budget monstrosity that the Democrats are going to use budget reconciliation to pass because they tricked Republicans because Republicans were idiots, what is actually in this bill? What is in it, and how is it going to impact us? Well, there are provisions for amnesty for illegal aliens who are in our country against the law. They will be provided a path to at least legal status, if not citizenship, under the terms of this bill. This bill also um, rewrites Medicaid statutes. Guess why? Because they want to rescind Hyde protections. They want your taxpayer dollars to fund abortion. By the way, the majority of the American people oppose that, but the radical leftists in Congress, they're the ones who put that in there, and the Republicans in Congress don't speak out loudly against it. So most people have no idea this provision is in this budget reconciliation bill. This budget reconciliation bill also provides um, universal, or provides for, I should say, universal pre-kindergarten for three and four-year-olds. That means your baby, your tiny little tot, will be put through government-run education system, which we all know is, at this point, indoctrination camps for radical leftist ideology, and you will be paying for it. You will be paying for it. You will also be paying for family and medical leave. It's basically the welfare state is expanding enormously. So-called free community college, again, to brainwash our nation's youth to make sure that we have a compliant next generation of voters. There's climate change programs. Essentially, by the way, what this budget bill is, is it's the Green New Deal light. They knew they couldn't get it through the Green New Deal. They knew they couldn't do it piecemeal. So they're calling it infrastructure, their budget bill. And it's essentially climate change programs. And it's going to be paid for, by the way, they claim, with tax hikes on the wealthy. So what happens when there's tax hikes on the wealthy? 
well, the cost is passed on to the middle class and even to lower income. Because for example, when you tax businesses, businesses pass on that cost to their consumers. Who are the consumers? The consumers are you and me. And who does increased price of goods impact the most? Middle class and low income Americans. So when you hear tax hikes on the wealthy, don't believe it. Because businesses will be the ones that bear the brunt of that and either they will let people go, let employees go and you will lose your job or they will cut your hours so that you will lose benefits or they will pass on the price to the consumer, pass on that tax hike cost They'll put that on the goods that they sell and that will be passed on to the consumer, you and me. So never believe it when they say tax hikes on the wealthy will pay for this. So their climate change programs, they're going to create a so-called civilian climate core. That just sounds creepy, just sounds creepy. There's going to be consumer rebates for electrifying and weatherizing homes, for electrifying the federal vehicle fleet. And I don't know what this sentence means, by the way. I have no idea what this means, and it scares me when I don't know what the left means because I know that they hide within their vagueness, their Marxist ideology. They want to provide, quote, environmental justice and climate resilience. What on God's green earth is that? Environmental justice and climate resilience? That sounds like Marxism wrapped in green leaves to make it look like environmentalism. That's a big hell to the no for me. Climate resilience and environmental justice. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This also empowers the IRS with more enforcement capabilities. Just what we need. The IRS has a history of being fair and neutral-minded and just and treating everyone equally. Oh, no, no. No, no, wait, they don't. The IRS has a history of targeting conservatives because they're conservatives, targeting the Tea Party, denying freedom-loving, liberty-minded Americans tax-exempt status because they are not radical leftists. This was the IRS 10, 20 years ago. Why on earth would we give them more enforcement capability? Why on earth would we give them more money? They were never truly held accountable for targeting us in the first place. This bill is a monstrosity. It's an absolute monstrosity. It raises taxes, as I said, on businesses and corporations and individuals making more than $400,000 a year. And remember, small business owners oftentimes file their taxes as individuals. So when you hear not that taxes won't be raised on those making less than $400,000. Don't forget that individuals who make $400,000 or more oftentimes are filing their business expenses as individual proprietors. So they're not just richy riches. That's their business expenses. And they're now going to be taxed more. So essentially, this budget bill that the Democrats are talking about is a Marxist takeover attempt. It truly will remake American society as we know it. We're talking the economy. We're talking the labor markets. We're talking about our immigration system, our system of law and order, our tax code. We're talking about how the Democrats use this idea of climate change, this fear-mongering about a crisis in order to usher in Marxist, socialist, redistribution of wealth policies. I mean, this is bad, bad news. It's essentially another version of the Green New Deal. And again, where are Republicans? Republicans should be on cable news. They should be home hosting town halls with their constituents. They should be challenging constituents in other states and other districts that are represented by Democrats with everything that I just said to you and asking the American people, do you want this? Asking Democrat politicians, can you defend this? Will this turn the United States into a Marxist society? How is it fair and just to take property from one person and give it to another? 
Do you think government is in charge of everyone? Do you think government is the arbiter of rights or the protector of rights? That's what Republicans would do if they actually cared. But Republicans in Congress are clearly squishes with the exception of a very few. And they simply don't care that this is what's being pushed through right now. But they work for you. These Republicans work for you. You should tell them that they should act differently, that they should care, that you care. And if they don't care, then they can find another job. Because the the agenda of the Biden administration, of the Democratic Party, the agenda is obvious. It's no question anymore whether Biden is a moderate. I don't think any serious-minded person really believed that. Some people, some voters were duped into believing it. Some moderate voters, some centrist voters, some independent voters were duped into believing that Biden's a moderate. But that, that's, that's no longer an argument that anyone in good faith is making. It's very obvious that Biden is a radical leftist. And then you can look at Biden's history in government as much as you want. You can make the argument that, oh, he was a moderate at some points. I personally don't think he ever was a moderate. But his history is completely notwithstanding what his administration is right now. So we can look at Biden's administration. We can look at who he has hired, who he staffs his administration with, who he surrounds himself with to see what agenda he has for the American people and for American society. Tracy Stone Manning, we talked about her. I talked about her on the show just a week ago, a week or two ago. She was Biden's nominee for the Bureau of Land Management. This woman engaged in eco-terrorism. She's not just a climate change nut. She's not just a radical environmentalist. She doesn't just support the Green New Deal. She actually committed terrorism against the United States, eco-terrorism. She drove metal spikes into trees that were going to be milled. And if there are metal spikes in trees, when the trees are milled, then they become projectiles and they could hurt or kill people who are hit by them. She was investigated by the FBI for this. And then she lied to the Senate about whether she had ever been the subject of an FBI investigation. This is who Biden surrounds himself or David Chipman of the ATF. I mean, this person is supposed to be in charge of gun policy to a certain extent, agency-level gun policy. He's anti-gun. He's anti-AR-15. He wants to ban semi-automatic rifles because the Biden administration thinks they look scary. He's also been caught up in Chinese propaganda. This is who Biden surrounds himself with. And when you surround yourself with this kind of people, these radicals, then that tells the American people, it tells me, this is what you want for the American people. This is what you want policy-wise in the United States of America. And it's not just those two people. I mean, you can look at the Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights of the Department of Education. She also served in this position under the Obama administration. Her name is Catherine Lamon. It was her responsibility to basically enforce Title IX. And while she worked for the Obama administration, her position on the matter was she eroded due process on college campuses, especially for young men who were accused of sexual misconduct. She wanted to lower the standard of guilt in these tribunals on college campuses from uh, all the way down to preponderance of evidence. When someone is accused of something as serious as sexual misconduct, they still enjoy the benefit of being innocent until being proven guilty. Preponderance of evidence shouldn't factor into this at all. But this woman, Catherine Lemon, she not only advocated for preponderance of evidence, she wanted to keep legal representation out of the process. She wanted to deprive young men who were accused of sexual misconduct of having a lawyer to help defend them. This is who Biden surrounds himself with. Javier Becerra at Health and Human Services, Rachel Levine at Health and Human Services, the transgender individual who presided over Pennsylvania's botched COVID response, who thinks it's appropriate to give children puberty-blocking drugs that chemically castrate them if they suffer from gender dysphoria, who won't say 
whether children should be allowed to do this even above the opposition of their parents. This is who Biden surrounds himself with. Javier Becerra in the state of California, he was the attorney general before he worked for the Biden administration, the most radically pro-abortion attorney general in California's history, and that includes Kamala Harris. He wanted to force pro-life crisis pregnancy centers to advertise free abortions on their premises, even though it violates the very purpose of their business and their right to free speech and their religious freedom. This is who Biden surrounds himself with. Or at the Department of Interior, Deb Holland. AOC called Deb Holland a Green New Deal champion. Can you imagine? And of course, Kamala Harris, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Alejandro Mayorkas. I mean, I can go on and on here. These people are radicals. The Assistant Attorney General, Vanita Gupta, supports Black Lives Matter and defund the police. And yet the Biden, and that Biden put her as the Assistant Attorney General, the highest law enforcement position except for one in the entire land. But this individual supports Black Lives Matter and supports defunding the police. You do not appoint this kind of group of radicals to your administration unless you're embracing the radical positions that they embrace. This is actually something that Democrats do better than Republicans. Republicans micromanage staff, micromanage administration positions so anally, if you will, that they don't delegate to individuals who will get the job done. Democrats know how to do that. From a structural administrative standpoint, they actually do this better than Republicans. Biden knows that he can claim to be a moderate still. He can defend his administration as being moderate because he has farmed out each of these roles to such a radical that they will take over. Each and every one of these people will take over that role, whether it's at you know, the DOJ, whether it's at the Department of Interior, whether it's in the vice president's office, whether it's at the transportation um, office, it doesn't matter. These people, these radicals, will take these policies to the extreme. Meanwhile, Biden can keep his hands clean. We should not allow that to happen. This is who Biden is. The buck stops with him. His administration is radical and his agenda is clear. Okay, I want to talk to you for just a second about ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your security, your family security online, right? But I recently learned that you can also use a VPN in a little bit of a trickier way. You can use it to unlock movies and shows that are only available ostensibly in other countries. If you fire up your ExpressVPN app, you can change your location to any other country. You can change it to France, you can change it to the UK, whatever you want. You then refresh Netflix or whatever streaming service you're using, and that's it. You now have access to the digital libraries that were supposed to be available only to people in that, actually in that actual location because ExpressVPN hides your IP address. It lets you control where you want the websites, Netflix or Hulu or whatever, to think you're located. So you can choose from almost 100 different countries. There are a lot of VPNs out there and perhaps they do the same thing, but ExpressVPN, in my opinion, is the best because it's very, very fast. There's no buffering, there's no lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. It works with all your devices. So visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, and you can get an extra three months free of ExpressVPN. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself and your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. So the Biden administration clearly surrounds themselves or staffs itself. Biden staffs his administration with radicals. And we actually see living proof of this every single day. So all of the individuals that I mentioned before, 
maybe they operate under the radar. Maybe the Biden administration tries to keep them off the air so that the American people don't realize exactly what kind of radical policies Biden is pushing through them at the administrative state level. But one of these radicals we do hear from on a daily basis, honestly. Honestly, can't turn your TV on most days without seeing the face of Dr. Anthony Fauci. And Dr. Anthony Fauci is getting more and more radical by the day. In this case, he's finally admitting what we all knew he believed, that he believes vaccine in vaccine mandates. Take a listen to this. Dr. Fauci, do you agree with Randy Weingarten, the head of the largest teachers union in the country who came out yesterday and said, yes, teachers should be vaccinated inside schools? Do you think they should be mandated to be vaccinated? Yeah, I'm going to upset some people on this, but I think we should. I mean, we are in a critical situation now. We've had 615,000 plus deaths, and we are in a major surge now as we're going into the fall, into the school season. This is very serious business. You would wish that people would see why it's so important to get vaccinated. But you're not going to get mandates centrally from the federal government. But when you're talking about local mandates, mandates for schools, for teachers, for universities, for colleges, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I know people must like to have their individual freedom and not be told to do something. But I think we're in such a serious situation now that under certain circumstances, mandates should be done. The phraseology that he uses is particularly troubling to me when he says, I know people must like to have their individual freedom and not to be told not be told to do something. But I think we're in such a serious situation that under certain circumstances, mandates should be done. Under certain circumstances. So he essentially thinks that because he's fearful of the virus, that you should lose your rights. Now, I've read the Constitution just a few times in my life, and I don't see caveats to our individual rights that say the government is will protect these rights, they are inalienable rights, unless an unelected bureaucrat is fearful of a virus that he helped fund while in an, an executive agency of the federal government. This is a tactic of the left. They claim something's an emergency, something's a crisis, in order to use that emergency or crisis to suspend our rights. That is not okay. When we hear something like this from someone like Fauci, who is in such a position of power, we must ask, what is the limiting principle on this? If you claim that this virus, which by the way, you have a 99.99% chance of surviving if you are young and healthy and if you are not obese, if you're under, I believe, the age of 60 and not obese, you have uh, almost 100% chance of surviving this virus. What is the limiting principle on this kind of fear-mongering and this kind of exploitation of naming something a crisis so that it justifies taking away people's rights? When else can our rights be suspended? And who else can suspend our rights if they claim to be an expert in the field? You'll notice that these bureaucrats or anybody really who's arguing in favor of a vaccine mandate can't answer that specific question. What is the limiting principle on this? What can government not force you to do if they can force you to get vaccinated because you think this crisis warrants it? If you're even going to discuss the idea of a vaccine mandate, you must have a very specific set of standards. Otherwise, you are empowering government officials and bureaucrats who are unaccountable to the people because they are unelected 
you're empowering them with a tremendous amount of power to violate bodily autonomy. You're suspending medical freedom, essentially. And if you can't tell me at what point that would become inappropriate and by what standards you think the government would be pushing it too far, then you can't, you can't even make the argument to do it now. And you'll notice, of course, that these bureaucrats cannot make this argument. They cannot tell us what the limiting principle is. All people like Fauci do is, they, they actually know, by the way, that vaccine mandates are wrong. They know they're wrong because they won't actually use government to mandate vaccines. They, they do it in a roundabout sort of way where the government forces or coerces private industry to be the enforcers of vaccine mandates. That's what we're seeing in the state of New York, where New York, the administration of the governor of New York, said that private industries, gyms and restaurants and show venues, entertainment venues, must verify the vaccination status of those who come to their, their uh, establishments. So the private industries aren't making this choice for themselves. They're being forced by the government to essentially verify vaccination status of um, the people that are attending their establishments. And if Democrats believed that it was the right and proper thing to do, that the American people would uh, stand for it and not rebel, then they would just have government do it at the state level or at the local level. But the Democrats don't believe that, and so they have private industry be the bad guy. They mandate that private industry mandate vaccination. But it's not divorced. Government and private industry are not completely divorced here. They're not independent entities. There have been reports already, this should surprise no one, that private industries that rely on federal funding, that the Biden administration is looking to cause these private industries to lose that federal funding if they don't mandate the vaccine. So the Biden administration is weaponizing private industry that relies on government to mandate an agenda that the Biden administration refuses to use government to do directly. They think that they can sneak this around. They think they can, they can sneak this past you, I should say. But we have to make sure that they don't, and we have to make sure that they've defined a limiting principle, and they can't. And if they can't, then we shouldn't even be having this conversation at all. But make no mistake, this is the Biden administration. They are radicals and they have radical policies and they're using people like Fauci or any of the, any of the other radicals that I mentioned to push this on you and on me. Meanwhile, the Biden administration, the Democratic Party and the radical left, the socialists and the Marxists, they're ensuring that the next generation of Americans is compliant to their ideology. And what I mean by this is I, I feel like I talk almost every day about some egregious example in a public school somewhere in the United States where children are being taught racism, they're being taught Marxism, they're being taught anti-Americanism, their Christian beliefs, their conservative beliefs, their pro-life beliefs, whatever, whatever their beliefs are being stifled. They're being discriminated, and instead they're being brainwashed with radical leftist ideology. And the reason that I talk about this so much is because it's very easy for the left to simply dismiss all of these examples as, um, as independent examples, right, as aberrations. It's very easy to say, well, this isn't the norm. This just happens once in a while, and you can't draw any conclusions based on something that just happens independently, an isolated incident, they might call it. But that's not the case. It's hard sometimes, I think, for parents to believe, even for conservatives to believe, how rampant the ideology, the radical leftist ideology is in our public school system, how deeply embedded it is in every curriculum, at every grade level, in every school, at, in every district, in every state, in the entire country. And so we need to keep talking about 
each and every one of these examples so that we understand that these aren't isolated incidents, that this is a pattern. It's a pattern because it's a strategy. So in the state of Virginia, for example, on the state education website where teachers can share their curriculum, their lesson plans, there's a third grade lesson plan that praises communism. It not only praises communism, it, there's a video attached to this lesson plan that teaches third graders that police hate black men. It's indoctrination. It's not only indoctrination that glorifies communism, it's teaching children a lie. Teaching children a lie, a statistically disproven claim from the left that police indiscriminately kill black men and are not held accountable for it. We know that's false. We know it's not true. And yet, the Virginia Department of Education website has a lesson plan for third graders that teach both, both things. Now, this lesson plan, by the way, was created by five different teachers. And this book, I've actually run across this book, by the way, in a bookstore. One of the things I like to do when I visit a new city is visit the bookstores because I think it's very, I just, I like books for one thing, but it's also interesting to see what different city is highlighting um, what kind of topic, what the people there are interested in. And I've run across this book in a bookstore before. Uh, it's called A is for Activist, and it's essentially Marxism. This book is a is for primary school-aged children, and it teaches about unions. It teaches about collectivism. It teaches about Marxism. It degrades the family. And this video, there's a video in this lesson plan of someone reading the book A is for Activist to children. Again, I wish, I actually do wish that these were isolated incidents. I wish that it was some nutty teacher somewhere, that this wasn't endorsed by the principal of the school, by the curriculum standards of the school board in the district or the state department of education or the federal department of education. But I regret to inform you, this is rampant. This is the public school system now. Down in Atlanta, we talked about what happened in Atlanta yesterday. Well, here's another example. An Atlanta school is segregating classrooms for children based on race. Can you even believe that? It's like we've traveled back 100 years. Segregating classrooms based on race, there are something like six classrooms with white children and two classrooms with black children. And one of the parents, her name's Kyla Posey, she's actually filing a federal lawsuit claiming that this is a violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which it probably is. She should file this lawsuit. But she's she has to do this because her daughter... She wanted her daughter to have a different teacher, and so she asked that her daughter be transferred classrooms, and she was told that her daughter couldn't be transferred classrooms because the only two classrooms that her daughter could attend were black classrooms because her daughter was black. This segregation policy was put in place by the principal of this school because she thought it was best for all students. Now, if you're wondering what this is, it's racism, of course, it's segregation, which is illegal. It's also critical race theory in practice. So anytime a leftist says critical race theory, it's not being taught, or maybe isolated incident somewhere, no. It's being used as the lens through which your child's public school experience is formed. It's not just being taught academically. They are using it to tell black children that you're not allowed to be in a classroom with white children, and white children that you must be separated from black children. It's racism, and the point, of course, of critical race theory is to use the racialism to usher in Marxism. If this is shocking to you, it ought to be, but it also ought to be the impetus that makes us take back our public schools. Now, maybe there'd be more accountability for this kind of racism, this kind of Marxism in public schools across the country. Maybe there'd be more accountability from the media, except the media 
the mainstream media has been too busy sucking up to Governor Cuomo. Now, I don't have a lot more to say on Governor Cuomo. I said yesterday I didn't think that his resignation was particular cause for celebration. I mean, good riddance, of course. I'm happy that he's gone. At the same time, the Democrat Party is avoiding accountability for Cuomo's deadly policies, forcing nursing homes to accept COVID-positive patients that led to the death of thousands of elderly people in the state of New York. The Democrats are completely avoiding accountability for that. They're getting rid of their PR problem in Cuomo because he's resigning based on sexual assault allegations. And the media has spent the last year, up until this moment, some of them are changing their mind just because that's the way the wind blows. But the mainstream media for the past year has praised Cuomo. They actually praised Cuomo specifically for how he handled the COVID crisis in New York, even as Cuomo was causing thousands of people to die who might otherwise hopefully not have died. Now, of course, this starts with his brother on CNN, Chris Cuomo. This is what Chris Cuomo said last year to Andrew Cuomo. I hope you're able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country now. I'm wowed by what you did, and more importantly, I'm wowed by how you did it. What's he talking about? Is he talking about sending nursing home residents to their death? Is he talking about mandating that families lock down together, which even Andrew Cuomo admitted led to the majority of the new cases of COVID-19 last summer were in people locked down in their houses, transmitting it to each other? There's no accountability from these, from these media figures. Rachel Maddow called Andrew Cuomo a national leader through the pandemic. She praised his incredible strength. Jennifer Rubin sent out the following tweet. I mean, Jennifer Rubin, no one takes seriously at this point, and rightly so. That's a reputation she's earned. But this is what she tweeted. Watching Andrew Cuomo is inspiring, uplifting, fascinating. He weaves details and humor and math and common sense all together. He's magnificent. Let's just listen to him. I mean, not only is that a creepy tweet, this is a man who was lying to the American people, lying to the state of New York because he was worried that Trump would politicize the fact that thousands more nursing home residents had died than he was admitting had died. That's magnificent to the mainstream media. They literally don't care about people's lives as long as they have a radical leftist in a position of power. Anna Navarro, she said, Andrew Cuomo press conferences are chicken soup for the soul. He's setting an example of rising above partisanship and seeking cooperation. Joy Reid at MSNBC, just gonna say it. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is really good at this. His leadership ability in this coronavirus crisis and the usefulness of these press conferences are just putting Donald Trump to shame. This is what the media was focused on, sucking up to Andrew Cuomo instead of reporting on what was happening in the rest of the country, what's happening in the public school system, the Marxism and the communism and the racism and the racialism that's being ingrained in curriculums being taught to your children. Instead, Nicole Wallace said, Governor Cuomo, I think, is one of the heroes on the front line. Chris Hayes said, Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality, the actual one, than the President of the United States. Brian Stelter said, Andrew Cuomo is a remarkable show of leadership. Joe Scarborough, and this is a huge joke, I doubt this is true, says, even lifelong Republicans tell me they look at Cuomo and they're like, God, now there's a leader. This is the mainstream media. This is why Marxism has taken hold in our country. This is why the Democratic Party is as radical as they are. Because the mainstream media is too busy sucking up to Democrat politicians, Democrat politicians who allegedly were engaging in sexual harassment and certainly were engaging in deadly policies related to COVID-19 while profiting off of a book where they claim they pat themselves on the back about their own leadership.
this is why we are where we are in our country right now. So pivot to the other side of the country for a second. We have Portland, Oregon, which the media has no interest in talking about. Well, the most recent violence in Portland, Oregon, staged by Antifa, shows mobs of Antifa thugs dressed in black attacking Christians at a prayer rally. And of course, the police officers, even though children were present, in fact, in the background of this video, I encourage you to listen for one woman who has a baby at this prayer rally, a baby as pepper spray is being sprayed by Antifa, as the sound equipment of the prayer rally is being thrown into the river by these thugs, these anarchists, this woman fears for the safety of her baby and the police officers do nothing. Take a listen to this. Knock him out! Hey, come on now! Get back, get back. Come on now. No, no. We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. All cops are back in the name of Jesus, amen. Police did not intervene. What's the point of police if police are not going to intervene? And how is this not a story anymore? We're so desensitized to the fact that the Pacific Northwest has been overtaken by anarchists, Marxist anarchists, that it's not even reported anymore. We see this story and we're like, oh, again, we're not shocked by it. It's been normalized. The Democrat politicians in the Pacific Northwest have allowed this. They have hamstrung police officers, so police can't even stop this, can't even do their job and protect the rights of individual citizens in these cities. Antifa threw the Christian group's sound equipment into the river. Even children were hit with pepper spray and projectiles from Antifa thugs. Antifa bragged about stealing the food and water from this family Christian prayer event. And yet there's no accountability. Law enforcement's not allowed to do anything. The politicians, the Democratic politicians who control the law enforcement do not care. They are cowed. They do not care about this anarchy. It's absolutely shocking. I'm looking forward later in the week to talking to Andy No, who's reporting, who reports on the ground about Antifa. He's one of the few that actually is committed to covering exactly what the motivation and the incentive and the ideology of Antifa is and how they do what they do and why they do what they do. I'm looking forward to interviewing him later in the week. It's absolutely shocking. So pivoting to something a little bit lighter, a little bit funnier, the absolute funniest video that I have seen this week, I, when people say LOL in text message, this video actually made me laugh out loud. I was actually shrieking with laughter. It's a flight attendant 
uh, for Frontier Airlines, who had to subdue an unruly passenger. And that's entertaining to see just in and of itself, although a little scary to think of this happening on a flight. But then afterward, this flight attendant was interviewed about why he did what he did. And this interview is perhaps what we should all aspire to. <laughs> Take a listen to this. Belligerent passenger causing sheer chaos in the air. And it got so bad that flight attendants had to duct tape the man to his seat. Ever since masks were required on airplanes, flight attendants say that their work has become downright dangerous. Now understand something. I'm a flight attendant. That means I attend the flights. Sometimes our job has us attending to crazy people. If you push us too far, you're gonna have to attend this ass whooping. You see, because on this particular flight, I'm sitting in the jump seat and I'm just looking at him like the damn fool. He's spitting and cussing and going crazy. I say, that's enough. I got up and I walked over there. And by the way, this man smelled like a pack of Marlboro cigarettes, uh, four shots of Everclear alcohol and regret. So I know something's about to go down. At this point, he touching all over my coworker's breast. And where he fucked up at is when he touched my titties. Cause I don't play that. So what I did is I took out the duct tape. I said, <laughs> he got scared, start stuttering, say, hold up, wait a minute, something ain't right. I said, yeah, we about to mummify your now, boy. So we wrapped him up. Better than any Christmas present you'll ever see. He won't be coming on no more Frontier flights at all. You can't beat that. I mean, I, 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 I can't follow that act. That was uh, quite the performance there. So on that note, the great and powerful Jay Hay says we're out of time for today. Before we are back, in the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts. Don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or the teachers unions bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write a review. If you do write a review, send us a link or a screenshot to it on local so that I can read it. I do enjoy reading them all. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.